Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And we're back. Brown ambition. No, hey, Hot- hey, hey. <laughs> oh, I haven't done. I feel like I haven't done hey, hey, hey in a little while. You know what we really should do? Since this is a holy day of, um, it's a holy B day. Mm-hmm. It is our oh yes our queen's birthday, Queen Bay. Bay. <laughs> and supposedly she's thirty five, which I totally do not believe, but that's okay. I believe it. You know what? I watched. Because I'm a nerd. I was watching MTV, like, old clips of Beyonce from, like, her her first performance when Dangerously in Love came out. And Mm -hmm. you can see the change, like, from young Beyonce to, like, lemonade Beyonce. I'm just so proud of her. Yeah, no, I am proud of her. I mean, speaking of which, did you catch on? Did we talk about this? Uh, The MTV Music Awards? Uh, Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. Yeah, we, we, uh... Okay, I just... You know, we didn't, um... I totally forgot all about... Wait, did we talk about Drake and Rihanna? What, that they're like together, it seems? It's so awkward. Yeah, it is. But it's really cute, though, because I'm like, you know what? He seems nice to her, which is saying a lot in comparison to where she's been before. Well, that was last week. This week, I can't (laughs) look at anything without reading about this Lena Dunham situation. Oh, (laughs) MG. Yes, please bring it to the table. Bring it to the table of foolishness. The foolish table. I wish she would stop. Like, I really do. I thought we had, like, a break from Lena Dunham. I haven't heard much from her in a while. She had the Lenny letter. That's all fine. Women empowerment newsletter. But whenever she opens her mouth, just, like, foolishness comes out. So share with the BA listeners, like, what's happened. Well, if you've been living under a rock, basically, so Lena Dunham interviewed Amy Schumer because Amy Schumer's new book is coming out this September. And it was just a Q&A where it's like the easiest thing ever. You just write down a transcript of what you said. And during the Q&A, it got, they got to talking about the Met Gala they had both been at. And uh, Lena Dunham sat next to, what's his name? Owen? Oh, Od- Odell Beckham. Odell Junior. Beckham, thanks. I don't really watch sports. Neither, neither <laughs> do I, but I, I just pulled it up and I was like, there it is. <laughs> Odell Beckham. So she sat next to Odell Beckham and in the, in the interview transcript of with her Amy interview, she was talking about how, yeah, I was sitting next to Odell Beckham Jr. And I guess he just looked at me and decided that like I was not the shape of a woman that he wanted to fuck. And so he just was on his phone all night and decided that I wasn't, you know, worth his time. And I guess she was trying to be... Um, like a little self-deprecating mm-hmm. but twitterati black twitter dra- yes. ha- has has dra- dragged her to the point of she has now released an instagram apology <laughs> yo black twitter honestly y'all could y'all could move mountains 
Move mountains. <laughs> you just... But no, sincerely, like, because I, what I didn't like at first, she was like, whatever, I can say what I want. That's how I was feeling. But then after being dragged, I guess, a, 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 for a further distance, she recognized or I think she wrote something to the fact that some people had reached out to her that she really respected. It was like, girl, you're wrong. Like, that man said literally nothing to you. And for you to say all of these things, like, you're supposed to be this big feminist. And that was the, you know, not only are you going against all things feminism and people having a choice to do and say what they like, if he would have said something to you, you would have had a problem with that, too. It was just so crazy and so narcissistic. Very narcissistic. Well, you know what the thing is? I mean, take away the fact that she's a white woman and he's a black man and, you know, and athletes, black athlete, black male athletes, especially and women too. this code of conduct, this like unofficial code of contact that just involves minority athletes for some reason is just crazy. But take away all that. And it like completely it's completely hypocritical um, in terms of like the feminist argument against men. You know how when you I don't you've never dated online or anything like that, but like a lot of my girlfriends have it when I was online dating, like you or not even just online dating, but anytime a woman doesn't talk to a man or doesn't respond when he says hello on the street or cat calls her and then he just like lashes back and says, oh, you're just stuck up. Oh, you're mm-hmm. just snobby. Oh, you just, you know, you don't think I'm good enough. You're just, you know, uh, a big snob or whatever. Um, and that's exactly what she did to Odell Beckham Jr. So it's like the most sexist reaction to being yep. ignored by a person of the opposite sex. It's like, girl, no one is thinking about you. Someone was like, honestly, if Lena, 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 whatever her name is, Dunham, would walk into a room, I wouldn't recognize her. It's not, you know, like, I don't know what she looks like. No one has to say hello. No one has to speak. I could see if you said I spoke to him or whatever, and he said nothing back. He was a little bit rude. But, like, literally, you sat there, he sat there. What's the problem? Yeah. But he ignored her. In her apology, she says... I mean, you know, she apologized. She listened to the critics. But this isn't the first time that um, she's had to apologize. I believe there was a lot of controversy in the beginning of Girls Coming Out where, once again, just like Sex in the City, it was a show about four women who were all white, about their experience in New York with all their white friends. Um, and sort of like, and there was a lot of controversy about that. And she said some really offhanded, like, unintelligent <laughs> responses to that very defensive like just like this you know oh well it's my perspective and doesn't matter I can say whatever I want um and then very quickly came around and in her apology she just basically says I was you know projecting my own insecurity about being you know an average body type woman at the Met Gala where everyone's like a swan and like an Amazon creature and I totally get that I would probably feel insecure in the same situation too but um yeah I think it just was a projection of those insecurities and Instead of, you know, making it about that, she cast Odell Beckham Jr., who asked for none of this, like, doesn't even know her in this negative light. And he just might be a very nice gentleman in real life. Exactly. And I'd say this, that if, I don't know, like, it just seems so crazy because I get it. You being a celebrity amplifies, you know, whatever you speak, but then you have to just be more mindful and know that you can say whatever you want, but then... In the, you know, in the same breath, anyone can respond to you however they like. And they responded. This was like the female version of like men telling women to smile. Yes, exactly. Yes. Speaking of sports, we have not talked about um, Mr. Colin. Who is the gentleman that refuses to stand up during the, um, the, uh, uh Colin. Ca- yeah, Cape, Capernix. 
I do not know sports. I do know this controversy, but I don't know his name either. Yes, his name is Colin Cape Capernix. I'm I'm thinking I'm saying it right. So he doesn't want to stand up during the national anthem, which is his total right. And then, of course, there was this for outcry. What reason was it? Black Lives Matter, like a um, was it a he protest say, against brutality. Yeah, he didn't say Black Lives. He said that he feels like that the country is not what it ought to be for all people. So as a result, he's not going to stand. Uh, and okay. yes, and so, and then you know, of course, people were like, "Wait, so." Donald Trump is able to say make the country great indicating that we're not great and this gentleman can say the country's not great so Donald Trump says it's yes Donald save us this young man says it and it's oh you terrible person you better stand up or else we're you know <laughs> well we just saw this at the Olympics with Gabby Giffords the mm-hmm. gymnast although she wasn't doing it for like political reasons she just you know forgot to put her hand on her chest or whatever during the national anthem um I don't really feel any kind of way about it. I mean, it's one person. It's the national anthem. It's freedom of speech. Do whatever you want. Like, And that's exactly what, and honestly, what I really like is that there's this new hashtag vets, vets for Colin, I think. And what they're saying basically is like, yes, I fought for him to have the right to choose. Like, hell, well, that's the point of the, like, it's so crazy how people are like, you had better. No, isn't that the point of this country is that you have the freedom to choose what you want to do. And like the, to actually try to force him to do otherwise is in direct opposition to the whole point of the daggone national anthem in the first place. Freedom. Freedom, oh, people. freedom, I can't move. Sorry. <laughs> still Beyonce <Yeah>. day. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, well, so we'll see how it goes. I mean, he is getting, but he is, he's definitely antagonizing. But now like it's the last- awkward because then he, now every game, everyone's going to be looking at him and like, what if he just gets tired of it? I know. Well, I mean, that's why you have to pick your battles. And, you know, he's picked this one and I'm not mad at him. Well, you know what we haven't talked about um, yet that I, I've had on my list for a while? Um, every once in a while you hear this, but it's starting to have like another resurgence. Like I feel like once every couple of years, there's a big um, blank back, uh, <laughs> bank black movement mm-hmm. um, where everyone's trying to encourage people to bank exclusively with black owned um, banks and businesses and stuff. And I just wanted to get your take on it. I'm not opposed to it. I mean, I, I used to work with a black bank. Like I used to be, um, do like financial education classes with a black bank. And what I like about, uh, black banks is that obviously you are more likely if you're a person of color to, to, if you needing, needing a loan and needing like, um, certain services that you get, you would typically get denied for at a bigger bank. Um, black banks tend to be smaller banks and, tend to like credit unions look at you as the individual versus just like what they see on paper and so i saw that firsthand like you know really getting to know the business owner that's asking for this money what are you doing how are you helping the community how can we actually help um like i said they sent me the the black bank it was city national bank Uh, i think they're only located in jersey and new york but they used to send me to different um different areas around jersey and new york to teach financial education and I, like specifically just just for the fact of just teaching it to showing mm. people, you know, so I like that. I mean, you know, I'm not opposed to that. I think that I first think, and foremost, okay. I was going to say, I don't know if people realize that redlining still happens like today. Mm-hmm. And redlining is where banks put these, they, they probably call them marketing lines, their target audience for their loans and who they're going to extend, especially, especially in the, in the mortgage loan business. Um, they draw lines around zones and communities where they want to target. And usually those lines um, are between white neighborhoods and minority neighborhoods. 
and essentially they won't lend to anyone or market to anyone outside those neighborhoods or put branches in those neighborhoods. So access to, to loans mm-hmm. for houses, um, you're a lot less likely to, to, to get that access if you're a minority. And that, that still happens. It's, it's, it's sad. It is. And that's why I think that it's, to me, it, it's important that, that's why financial education is important. That's why creating our own wealth is important. And then that's why um, I think I don't know. I just think that most people don't understand that that you we have the power within us to to create the things that we need. We've seen it through like you know Black Wall Street and other things that there's you know you don't necessarily have to go outside yourself to look for someone to save you. That you know if we create these resources ourselves and then we patronize these resources ourselves, mm-hmm. you know then you don't have to ask for you know that's what i'm learning that like okay when someone says no well how could i do this myself anyway within the with the resources i currently have and you know it's possible and so i think this is that's another way to do that and you know because i i mean i use a mix like i said city national bank was great i also have like a traditional larger bank i always believe that people like people sometimes act as if banking is like this one sided i'm like ah girl to me you should have a traditional bigger bank um, just for the ease of like, no matter where I am in this country, I know I can like, you know, get to what I need to get to. You should have a credit union because if you're borrowing money, <clears throat> sorry, traditional big bank, not you. So either credit union or like a, like a local small black bank, those are, you're going to get one, you have the opportunity to actually possibly borrow two. you know, typically you'll get a better interest rate, especially with credit unions. And then I also believe that you should have an online only bank. Because you're going to get higher interest rates for your savings accounts. And online-only banks, for me, help me to not impulse buy. Because if I put my money there, it takes like two to five business days to transfer that money back to my regular bank. So if I really want to save something and not spend it, I put it there. I believe you should have a mix of banks that gone are the days where I have this one bank. That's all I use. Uh Uh-uh, girl. There's no loyalty here. I use the bank that's best for me, not what's best for them. Well, I think it's it's not even loyalty, but people like the ease of just having everything in all one place. You know, mm. I think it takes a special person to be able to to have the different kind of not special, but just someone who's willing or like sees the financial opportunity and like wants to put in the work to sort of manage all those different accounts. Mm-hmm. But especially if you're old school, you know, people like having that feel. Um, but what I'll say about it is like black owned does not always mean better for your wallet. Um, and I think we can. I mean, when I'm shopping around for financial products, I always look at, you have to look carefully at the terms, the fees, the cost of the account. I mean, this movement is awesome and it's super positive. And a lot of times black owned banks are smaller banks and those banks already have lower fees and things like that. But on the other side of the spectrum, you look at the Rush card, you know, owned by, Mm. created by Russell Simmons, huge in the black community, celebrity status. Um, people think this man's like a, a demigod or something like that, but yeah. this card is terrible. Like it the is. fees are out of control. Then you got Steve Harvey representing the Green Dot card. I mean, wasn't Montel Williams like doing some crazy? I forget what his what he was hawking for a while, but I mean, I would I would just say just because there is a black face on a product. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean that it is good for you. So always read the fine print, always sort of look at your personal financial um, situation before you kind of get swept up in, in uh, the, the face of an organization. And I can tell you right now, the actual CEO of Unirush, which is the company that owns a Rush card, is not a black man. Exactly. It's not Russell Simmons. Um, exactly. Don't think, of the, yeah, that's just the face. That's like, 
I was telling Mandy offline, uh, BA listeners, that like one of these t- tummy, these tea companies, you know, the you see everybody drinking these, these celebrities drinking these teas and saying how they lost all this weight. One of them reached out to me, was like, hey, Tiff, we'd love to pay you big money, send you some tea, and then you can tell everybody you used it and your stomach is flat. So, and I said, obviously, I said no, because I was like, girl, goodbye. Have you even looked at my timeline? I don't talk about like, I mean, yeah, I talk about health stuff, but like the stuff that I'm actually doing, like going to the gym or taking a walk or whatever. But it just goes to show you that, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of companies just reaching out to random folks saying, hey, here's some money. So you want to you want to discern for yourself what's the best fit for you. Yes. At the end of the day, you're your best advocate and you have to Mm -hmm. be. Um, but if you're interested in learning more, I found what was this website? I was going to point everyone to this website and then I got swept up reading more about the movement. I actually read that because of this movement. I didn't realize it was started by Killer Mike. Yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious in so many ways. But one bank in Atlanta actually got 8,000 Citizens Trust Bank, which I didn't even know was black owned bank. My dad banks with them. Okay. Um, Citizens Trust had like 18 or 8,000 new members awesome. um, because of this it's movement. Not- is it um, Investors Bank? I think Investors Citizens Bank. Citizens Trust. Um, now I just clicked off the site. But um, real quick, though, if you want to find a list of black-owned banks, I think there's a map. You can go to blackoutcoalition.org. Seems to have... Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> when you go onto their website, it's like a dark, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. video starts playing. That's good. Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> And then there's a site called oneunited.com. I'll put some links to this on our, our brand new flashy website, which should be up by the time this podcast airs. Yes. Burn ambition, gotta make over. <laughs> we fancy now that we won. <laughs> hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Boosting and breaking. I think I'm going to give a brown boost to i'm not gonna break i want to give a brown boost and i probably said this before but black twitter and black twitter and like the an extension brown boost of just like blackness in general so black twitter to me is like just life because when something goes wrong if you bring it to black twitter black twitter is like i'm gonna get my older brother like the older brother or older sister that was bigger and stronger in the neighborhood was inherently afraid of them Right. That is what black Twitter is. You're like, oh, oh, you talking slick? Let me go get my big sister. (laughs) Black Twitter will come and drag your adversary from here to Tuesday and then say, say something again and we'll force your hand. (laughs) And so I just want to bring like sometimes the Internet, although it can be very foolish and it can be a lot that black Twitter gives me life when they drag appropriate people who need to be dragged. And, you know, basically like, no, girl, you can't get away with that. You're going to Something has to be said. And it's not even just for fun and giggles, but like 
also too, you know, there's a lot of things that happen. Like, like George Zimmerman was prosecuted because black Twitter and social media demanded at least something. No, he wasn't prosecuted, but at least his, uh, like that Trayvon Martin story was told, hmm. you know, that wasn't going to happen otherwise. And so, yeah, I want to give it's a boost to black. More, it's getting more organized too. You know, I saw when this whole Lenny letter, uh, Lena Dunham, um, Odell Beckham Jr. Drama came out earlier uh, last week. I saw mm-hmm. DeRay McKesson, who's like one of the original um, Black Lives Matter movement uh, members, right? Mm-hmm. And he's now a, a civil rights activist. He's based in Baltimore. Anyway, tons of followers on Twitter. He was basically like, Black Twitter, can you get on this early before the news gets ahead of this and starts twisting this and turning it into something it's not and just let them know what's wrong with this whole leading Dunham situation? Mm-hmm. And he tweeted that out. And so you see them like getting more organized and like getting ahead of an issue like right away. Okay. Um, and like getting your voices heard early. That's interesting. Yeah. And so when you think of, for those of you who don't realize the Twitter, I think it, is it one third of Twitter. It's supposed to be African-American, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was more, but yeah. So it's a, it's a force to be reckoned with. Go yeah. back Twitter, go. So um, what's your, what's your booster break? I would like to do, well, this is going to be, um, it's going to be a boost, but it's also going to be a, a conversation because I want to get your take on this too. So okay. I feel like the fall is the new official start of the wedding season where spring used to be wedding season. Like for me, fall has become like the season of weddings, um, fall and winter. So I think people found out it was cheaper to get married in colder seasons, blah, blah, blah. So I'm already getting, um, text from friends who were like yo how much do I give I can only afford this but I feel like I should pay you know how much my plate probably costs at dinner like how do you what's the etiquette around paying um you know gifts at at weddings and like how much should you give and I feel like I guess the 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 break and the boost here is like a break from the pressure to give a ton of money at weddings and a boost to giving what you can afford to give and like not feeling so guilty about it. Mm. And I do want to like debunk the myth. I, I, so my fiance too has said that whenever we because we've been going to weddings for a while together, but because all his friends have gotten married and every time it's like, well, you know, we should probably at least pay for the cost of our meal. And I'm like, well, how do you know how much it costs your, like, how do you know how much your Yeah, your well, costs? people say that. Yeah, I'm like, how do you, well, what I've done is, depending on, like, because there's been times when I've had, like, next to no money, but most couples are are um, registered somewhere. And so, at least if you're registered, let's just say I only have 30 bucks. At least if you're registered, at least I tr- I'm like, well, let me go get something off the registry. So at least I know that what I'm getting them is exactly what they want, even though I might not have 150 bucks, you know? That's the thing, though. I, everyone is now doing these um, honeymoon funds, like instead right, of right. registries, um, like a lot of my friends and some are just doing straight up PayPal links, like directly so you can do it because with PayPal, you pay fewer fees. There's a bunch of websites now. There's like Zola Registry, um, where you can set up like a cash, like a kind of like a GoFundMe page for your for your wedding gifts, and mm-hmm. you can just submit payments by credit card or debit or whatever. Um, but those sites sometimes take like a percentage, or not sometimes, most of them do take like a two to three percent um, cut of whatever people give you. So to get around that, people are now putting just straight up PayPal links on their wedding websites. And I think it's like, and, and instead of having registries, because I mean, people now tend to live together already, or they already have a bunch of stuff, like they don't really need the the fancy KitchenAid mixer, and they're not looking for, you know, pots and pans and stuff. So they just do the straight up honeymoon registry. 
And I'm totally fine with that. I think that's, you know, great. At least, you know, you're contributing toward their, their trip and that's an experience or whatever. But I think it makes things more, a little bit more difficult because now they're, in some cases, there's not like the registry yeah, to sort of fall back on. I mean, I say give what you can. I mean, I, I mean, I, when I didn't have like a ton of money to do, I say give what you can. People, if someone is really your friend, like, let's just say you think to yourself, like, ugh, like, you know, this is a friend that's not that much of a friend. It's just kind of like, you know, they've invited everybody to their wedding. If you feel that weird about it, don't go. But if this is really your friend, then, you know, give what you can. I guess I'm not all that, like, you know, now that Superman and I are really, like, you know, talking about, like, like what our wedding is going to be like if we even have one. We were just talking about justice of the peace and a big party. I don't even know what I'm going to do as far as like that's concerned because you're right. We already live together. We already have stuff. I mean, likely we'll do some sort of like, hey, give money if you want to give what you can, I guess. But I don't I really just want people to have a good time, you know, and I I don't think that's I think that's how it should be. Like, as the couple hosting the wedding, I mean, I look at it as, like, an act of generosity. Like, mm-hmm. we want to celebrate our love. We want you to be a part of it. We're, we're throwing this party for you and for us. Um, but you do hear, like, I've even heard some bitter brides who have grumbled. Yeah. Who've been grumbling about, you know, I, I barely paid off half the wedding with what I got in gifts. And I'm like, well, that's well, not. Well, girl, mm, that's, that's your problem. Plan. That's not how you budget yeah. for a wedding. Exactly. Well, it's not. in 20 because we're definitely going to get 20000 back in gifts. No, honey. That's no. Not happening. Not I don't happening. think that to me that's on the bride then because I don't in the like, room I don't want to not just the bride thing true. but like the couple you know yes because I remember when my sisters got married they paid with cash like my sister had actually invested in stocks um uh, a few like when she got engaged and by the time she got married she sold some of them to pay for the wedding she and her husband they both invested it was like okay this is our plan but the, and I don't think the idea was we're going to get that money back my other sister she's just a really good saver she had saved everything at her and her or her husband now they saved in cash and i think they got back most of their money but that was not the point they weren't like well we'll spend this much cuz we know we're going to get it back although nigerians tend to be very generous you know that wasn't the plan the plan was she said i don't want to owe when the wedding is done so i'm going to save all the money that we need between he and i and they did you know and so you want to lower ended- your expectations Exactly. And they ended up because my parents helped a lot, too. So they ended up she was like, before I even get any money back, I want to give money back to mommy and daddy. So because, you know, they're closer to retirement. So they did. So, yeah, I would say brides and grooms to be like, you know, make sure that you're having the wedding for what it's supposed to be for a celebratory event, not a place to get and gain money. I would like to know if anyone out there has been like I have heard at one of my one of my I'm not going to call her out. One of my friends has asked me, like, oh, so so so-and-so's check bounced. Do I tell him? And my answer was, no, you don't tell him. (laughs) I mean, how (laughs) awkward is that, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't probably. I'd be like, yeah, no. I don't, I mean, unless they were paying for a product or service, then I would just let that go. It's kind of like a donation in a way. Like, ah, it's too awkward. You got to see them at next family reunion and Christmas. Like, maybe just let it go. Unless we were really close, like if it was my sister, I'd be like, girl, your check bounce. Everything okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, wedding etiquette. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have any questions? Uh, you know, we're brown ambition. So this is the ambition part of our 
our podcast. <laughs> Do we have any questions, financial questions, career questions? We have a cool question today. It's actually probably a good question for you since you um, are about to go on a big trip. But um, this week, our question is from listener Lisa. Um, hey, she has a, hi, Lisa. <laughs> she has a uh, trip, a uh, question about travel. So I'll just read it real quick. She says, you're both, you guys are both avid travelers from what I've heard. Um, I recently watched a video from a travel group called No Madness about a tragedy that happened where people were killed and injured in a car accident in Panama. The speaker really emphasized the need for travel health insurance. And since I'm currently planning a trip to Thailand for the first time, I'm wondering if this is something that I need. Have either of you ever used travel health insurance? And if if so, what company? And do I need it if I already have regular health insurance? Great question. It is. So first of all, I want to say kudos. I'm actually a part of No Madness and the founder, Evita, she's a friend of mine. Um, And so I'm just like, yay. And yes, I remember it was in Panama. It was not an official No Madness trip. It was just a bunch of No Madness tribe members that happened to meet up on this trip. They took a tour um, and the bus, um, they were going around like, I guess they were going into the mountains and the bus somehow careened off the side of a mountain. And actually Mm. a good friend of mine, NECA, who I've known since I was, I don't even know, 18, died in that bus crash. Um, And it was, it was a very traumatic time for, for, you know, no madness, their families. And because some, not everyone passed away. So some people were stuck there. Like, well, how do we get, because they had to go to hospitals, they had to be airlifted out. Like, you know, how do we get help? And it was it was then that I realized that like I had gotten trip uh, health insurance when I went to India because I was like I don't want to be sick, you know, this far from home and not have adequate health insurance. So I would say yes, it is critical to get additional health insurance because if something happens to you, you have to be moved or you have to be looked after. You don't want to have to worry about it. It's really not that expensive. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the company that I used for health so, insurance. So you have bought additional health insurance for I your have. travels before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, well, well, first off, I'll say just check your current policy. There's some, if you have a big policy, like with Blue Cross, Blue Shield, or like an Aetna, um, some policies do offer worldwide coverage. And that doesn't mean that you'll be covered anywhere you go, but they will list, like they'll have a list of providers in different major cities. Um, and just start, I would use that as a starting place because they may have like the catastrophic coverage. So if you do need to be airlifted. I mean, that's the real risk. That's the thing that scares people, right, is that you'll be so hurt that you'll have to be, like, flown out of the country. And that's where it costs you, like, anywhere from 30000 to up to $50,000, mm-hmm. I've heard it can cost you. Um, and that's terrifying. But some of those, like, you, your policy may already cover it. Um, and your credit card. Honestly, um, I have a, a an amazing travel credit card. I'm covered up to $10,000 if I get sick before going on a trip, um, which is the kind of situation that, like, so there's, um, and this isn't health insurance, I'm talking about like trip protection, but I think that's another kind of concern people have when they're traveling, like, what happens if I'm too sick to travel or I, you know, miss a tour because I'm too sick? Um, you should definitely check out your credit card benefits and see if you're covered mm-hmm. like, for anything like that first. So see what you have already in your arsenal, like tools before you spend um, the money on insurance how much did your policy cost that you honestly that you it was nominal i remember it was like well below a hundred dollars i found the company it was called seven corners um dot com so mm-hmm. seven corners i bought this uh I, I bought coverage for india i'm gonna i'm actually pulling up my policy now 
Um, it was maximum uh, medical maximum amount of a million dollars. Um, I think you know I bought this for Greece actually, and I think I paid. Oh, I can't even. I'm like I'm looking to see how much I paid, but I remember that it was it was nominal in comparison to having a million dollars worth of coverage to not have to worry about it. Um, yeah. It probably. Go ahead. Oh, I just yeah. I um I used to read the Frugal Traveler um, mm-hmm. through the New York Times when it was when it was Seth Kojel, um, and he recommended the site called WorldNomads.com. Okay, where you can put in where you're going and your dates and and who's covered, and then it'll give you like options for plans. Most of their plans seem pretty like low too, like under a hundred bucks, like fifty. Yeah, under. Yep, it was fifty to a hundred bucks, and like I said, I got a million dollar coverage. I was going to Greece in Turkey for my birthday. It was, I think, mm-hmm. in 2014. And so whenever I'm going, like I'm going, you know, I told you I'm going to um, Paris and Prague, so I would likely get some insurance for that too. You just don't want to be, especially if you're traveling. If I'm traveling stateside, you know, I have my regular health insurance. But if I'm traveling out of the country, you don't want to have to worry that should something happen to me, whether it's you just getting sick or or you getting into an accident, you don't want to have to worry that, you know, you're not going to be able to receive the services that would save your life because you're not adequately covered. It's worth the 50 bucks to get like insurance, you know, that's going to make sure that you have peace of mind. I never thought about that before. And I was always like, girl, who cares? I don't need that. It should no longer be, oh, should I? Honestly, it's under a hundred bucks. Like I said, probably around 50 for a large amount of coverage and and huge amount of peace of mind. Get it. Okay, you're pretty passionate about it. I'm still I like just, I'm still like fitty fitty. You know what? I guess because when my friend died and they were trying to figure out how do we bring her body over and mm. money was tight and we actually had to raise money to do so, it made me realize like, yeah, for 50 bucks, I don't I think I I don't want to put my my family and friends through what to do with me should something happen. And so, mm-hmm. that's why cuz before I never I was not even 50/50. I was kind of like, girl, no. I'm not spending my 50 bucks. I'm going to use that 50 bucks to eat out when I'm in Paris. But now I'm like, uh-uh. I've seen too many times when it's been needed. And for such a nominal fee, yeah, it's worth it. But if your insurance already offers that kind of thing. Then... Um, to, it depends. Yeah. No, no. I would definitely to, to check that. And it also depends up to one amount. If your insurance is offering $10,000, let's be real. You know it's going to cost more than that to airlift you out. So then you might want to spend the 50 bucks for a little bit more. Yeah, up to 50000 it can cost. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, travel smart, Lisa. Travel safe. Thailand's awesome. I, I want to go to Thailand. Me too. It's on my list of like... I'm only going uh, to London. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like so like nervous. So for those of you who have like kids, this is just a question for me, right? Because I'm like, oh, me and Superman are like baby talk. We're like in the midst of trying, you know, and I'm like... Hey, I thought trying was fun, not trying. I know, I know. No, <laughs> trying is definitely fun. But I guess part of me is like... Wait, I have so many places I want to visit. Like, how long after you have a baby do you, like, go back to, like, being able to do different things? I know you're like, your life has changed forever. You know what? (laughs) (laughs) We have really close friends. And they took their, like, I don't even know how many months. He was only a few months old. Um, He was born in April. And then it was the husband's, um, hey, Pam and Anthony. Um, (laughs) It was his birthday in, like, July, I want to say, or early August. And um, or late August, and they took their baby on like a they went to they flew to Oregon and drove down the West Coast, like okay. not even like a trip, but like going to hotels and stuff. But like they were like a road trip with their newborn baby and they were just in Paris. And now he's only one. Um, okay. And they just like 
they just have the right attitude about it. That's what okay. like, they've said about traveling with a baby. If you have a good attitude and you're not stressed out, then the flight attendants will help you. Everyone sort of wants to make things like good for you. And I mean, I'm sure it hasn't been a total cakewalk, but I think I think it can be possible. OK, because that's just like my only nervousness. It's like, oh, my gosh, like, I, you know, I want to be a mom. And I, I'm sure a lot of women who are like, because I'm, I'm in my mid 30s and I want to be a mom, but I'm not going to lie. I'm like, I also, I love my life now. Like, life is good. Like, life is better than good. And so part of me is afraid, like, oh, gosh, like, how much, you know, and I know there's a lot of sacrifice. And, I, you know, I have set my life up in such a way that I can be home, you know, that, you know, I can make money passively so I can, like, actively raise my child and stuff like that. But I guess I'm worried about, like, well, what other things outside of the fact of, like, you know, time and energy, like, I don't want to give up travel. I don't want to give up, you know, things that make me me. And I know I people might say, you, well. you know, and I'm just like, well, to what extent, you know, because my mom was like the old school mom where, you know, she did. She gave up a lot. I mean, it's, it was five of us. So, I mean, like she didn't even she didn't even get to sleep nights for up until I was really in college. She she worked nights as a nurse on purpose so she could be home during the day for us. And so, you know, but that was a different dynamic because, you know, just like differences in like how much we made and stuff like that. But I guess I'm just like, you know, I know there's a lot of sacrifice when you have kids. And I wonder, do you ever get to like maintain a piece of yourself to still be yourself? Because that's what makes me happy. You know, I hope so. I know. (laughs) Come on. I see some new moms and I'm so scared. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what? I mean, they're financial um stability i think is important it's not everything but the fact that you are the budget needs to if anyone's going to be able to do it you probably can figure <laughs> out how to if can make it work financially i think too the values you have before you get married before you have a kid like those hopefully stay the same and you just find a way to i think you'll you know what i've sort of heard is that you it, it enhances the way that you travel it changes the way that you see the world it makes traveling more necessary in a way as for parents. This is what I've heard. I'm not a parent. I haven't taken any children, small children abroad. But it like it, it gives a new reason to travel to like expose your kids to different things and like see the world through their eyes. And I mean, you know, my friends got the cutest Airbnb that was like a family house. So they had a family mm-hmm. room and a baby room. And they just I mean, I, I want to be I want to be optimistic. But I mean, honestly, it kind of, you know, freaks me out, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. But I feel like you can do it. I feel like we have to. We owe it to ourselves not to give up part of our lives, um, part of ourselves and what we love and get joy out of, you know, for children. But I also feel like, you know, what we don't know yet is the amount of joy that a baby will bring into our lives. Mm -hmm. I've heard it's awesome. (laughs) The Yelp reviews are pretty strong for child children. Like like I um, I see it like when like I have a Supergirl. So Superman has a daughter already and I love her. You know, but there's nothing like your own. And I see when he looks at her, like I can see it's like otherworldly. Like when he looks at her, like, look at my baby, you know, Mm -hmm. and she also like his mother passed away a a few years ago. And she is like the spitting image. I mean, from looks and from what I understand, I never met his mother. But from what I understand, even the way she like moves and operates and speaks. And so when he's looking at her, it's like he gets to see his mom again. But then he also sees like his child and like he relishes in the in the sacrifice and I could see that you know like whatever it takes and he happily does so mm, and so beautiful. you know and so I know it gives me like okay 
that would be, you know, but I don't, because it's weird, because, like, Supergirl, she's, like, such a bonus, because I don't have to sacrifice for her financially, because her mom is dope, super mom. She and I get along great. Her mom is amazing. He's amazing. So, honestly, Supergirl, and, and she doesn't need me in, like, this parental sense. So, instead, we're just, like, great friends. So, I, I don't get to get the real feel of what it's like to have a child because all I get to do with Supergirl is have fun with her. I don't have to worry about the other responsibilities, you know? Well, you have to think you also have a great support system. You have all those sisters that, I mean, you're put, you've put yourself in a strong position. Like, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do living with my in-laws. Like we've purposefully at least said, okay, we need to be kind of like get to a financial point that we're comfortable with, but also being around the people to support us. So you can take some time off and you can have sitters and like, you know, people who are around to like support you. I think that's like the non-financial aspect of like making parenthood easier that people like overlook how important that um, familial support system is. Yeah. So if you guys have some questions for us or you just have some feedback on this whole, we don't have no kids yet, um, (laughs) but you do. (laughs) Yeah. Like what was the most financially surprising thing about having a a baby? Like having young kids that just like surprised you. You never saw coming beyond diapers. We all know about diapers and like baby food and stuff like that. What else? Yeah. What made you say, whoa, 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 whoa. Who knew? Um, you can email us at the BA podcast at gmail.com. No, I got it right, right? Nope. That is not our email address. Darn it. Darn it. <laughs> I thought I got it right. I don't know. That my is mind. a good way to tweet us though at the BA podcast. Okay. Um, you can email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. My bad. I'm going to get it right one of these days. But you can tweet us at the BA Podcast. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> uh, you can tweet Mandy at Mandy Woodruff, Mandy with an I. And you can tweet me at the Budget Nista if you have some specific tips. So I had a book that I just bought. I know we like, you know, I don't really have a win, but I had a book. Where is my, my Kindle? I just bought. I love buying books. Oh, you just talked about a book. You read a lot. I know. And I so, download because- a lot of books. I'm like like a book hoarder. I'm like, oh, that looks good. I just download it real quick. You know, that that one click button on Amazon is like the death. It's the devil. It's the smart devil, but it's the devil. Yes, it is. I'm just like, "Mm, that looks good. Okay, I'll read this one day. (laughs) I have so many books (laughs) that I need to read. Well, I like to keep like a nice like variety of because what I hate is that when I'm ready to like read something good. And I don't have anything. So I like to have at least like two or three books like on my Kindle that I have not read at all. So when I'm like, I want to read something, I don't have to like search Kindle for hours. I can just like go and get one. So here's my instead of my win, I want to talk about the book. So this is a a great book that I cannot wait. I've heard great things about it. Um, It is called The Gatekeepers Are Gone. Um, Hustle Plus Technology Equals Success by Lamar Tyler. And I'm super excited because it is the way that I have crafted the Budgetista and the Dreamcatchers and my Live Richer movement that gone are the days that you have to like go through major media outlets, you have to have huge sponsorships, all those things in order to be successful in your business, that those major gatekeepers are gone. There are people who are running multi-million dollar companies and who have never been on anyone's television show, never been in anyone's like magazine or anything like that. Instead, they've connected directly with the audience. And um, there's a great example of this, this young uh, rapper named Chance the Rapper. Have you heard of him, Mandy? Yeah, my little brother loves him. Right? So everybody loves Chance the Rapper. He is like what we all hoped Kanye would be, but is not. (laughs) Um, So he actually wrote like five songs on Kanye's um, 
uh, Life of Pablo album and then everyone's favorite song. Um, oh, what is it called? It's called. Uh, it's a song that everybody knows of, but it's a, it's it's everyone's favorite song on Kanye's new album. But Chance is dope in that he refuses to sign with a major record label. He is completely independent. He has been approached several times. His um his new he calls his albums like mixtape. Is it called Coloring Books? I think it's called Coloring Book. Um, so he his new album is like has done so well. And, you know, of course, record labels can't understand why he won't sign with them. He's just like, no. So he's had all these collaborations that he would not be able to do if he was under a record label. He's been able to do what he wants, how he wants, when he wants it, because he understands that the gatekeepers are gone and that you don't have to go to a record label to get your music to the masses. And he actually had um, the Grammys change like their policy and um because before it was like in order to be like nominated for a Grammy, you had to have a certain type of album, like you know, to produce in the traditional way. But now they're they're his album is stream only, and they're allowing stream only albums to be nominated. So he might likely win a Grammy. So I just think like you know, if you're looking for a book about, um, did he write that book? No, his uh, the book is by Lamar Tyler. But to me, he's a, a perfect personification of the gatekeepers are gone. That you could be a success in your industry without going through the. <laughs> My mother in law is singing really loudly out in the hallway. <laughs> I, can, I can't hear her. But that's oh, funny. you can't? Okay. No. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Continue. laughs> yes, Mama Sita, you better sing. <laughs> we were up till 2 a.m. dancing merengue in the living room. I could not keep up. I'm sorry, I just like hijacked your. Your, no, your no, book. no, that's fine. So I think I'm excited to read that book and I'll report back how, how much I like it. But I just got it like yesterday. What's it called again? The Gatekeepers Are Gone? <laughs> the Gatekeepers Are Gone by Lamar Tyler. You could have been a case study. Right? Let me right. reach out to Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's good. What? What's my win? Oh, my win. Wait, I have my notes. I have my notes. Oh, so this week, I'm so excited. This is the week of Queen Sugar. Which is, Ooh. it's like a book and a series that's starting on OWN, the OWN network. And I have like, it's been a while since I've like, maybe since Scandal um, premiered. But like, I've been waiting for this because I love the book, Queen Sugar. Ava DuVernay and Oprah teamed up to make it into a TV show um, on the OWN network. And they're having a two episode premiere. I think I want to say it's on Wednesday. Check your local listings or, you know, however you may find it if you do not have cable. No judging here. Um, but I just want to support the show because it has like a lot, an amazing cast and the story is so good. And it's like you don't really see a lot of like um, all minority cast telling this kind of story. I don't think um, it's it's got a lot of good stuff. I don't want to ruin any of I don't want to like put any spoilers on what it's about, but uh, check it out. It looks good. I'm excited to see it, too. Yeah. Oh, I, I can do like a little like so it's about a, it's about a woman who inherits a sugarcane plantation, not a plantation, a sugarcane um, farm from her dad who's passed away. And she moves from L.A. to this. This is how it is in the book. They may have changed it for the series, but um, from L.A. to Louisiana and just inherits a sugarcane farm and has to deal with moving back home to her roots and then, you know, learning how to run a farm and she has like zero experience and the town like kind of rallies around her. But it's got all this it's got all this other drama and her brother is really an interesting character and, you know, there's a love interest. It's like a mother daughter story. It's just it's a good, good book. So I'd say read the book and then check out the series for sure. Oh, okay, Queen Sugar. 
And this continues my campaign to have Ava DuVernay be my best friend. <laughs> so far, it's been unsuccessful. <laughs> That's my best friend. That's my best friend. Yeah. You better. <laughs> Ava, if you're listening, which I'm sure you're not, but you never know. I wanted to be on the show so bad. They keep saying no. <laughs> Don't worry. Asking. One day they're going to say yes. One day. Yes. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs>